Hey, you got Frank from the Everyday Sniper here in Sniper's Hide, and I'm sitting down post-rifles-only brawl. We'll finish the match today, and I have George Gardner, gunsmith extraordinaire. Actually doesn't need any introduction. And Jacob Bynum of Rifles Only decided to sit in so we can have a little three-way going on. Because that's just how we roll going back old school. This felt like an old school match, don't you think, George? It did feel old school, you know. <laughs> we all started shooting back here in the late 90s or at least early 2000s. And every time I come back here, you just think of all the memories that, that have been here. So mm -hmm. This is, this is uh, what was the John Wayne, was it John Wayne movie? The, the three uh, grandfathers? It was, it was Three Men and a Baby came from a John Wayne movie, didn't it? Yeah. We're like the three old men of Precision Rifle now here with, yeah. the, with this whole thing, right? <laughs> okay, you reminded me of Three Amigos, right? Three Cut amigos. that shit out. <laughs> There we go, that's probably better. We're in South Texas. Three Amigos. It was in Pancho Villa was through here, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, but it's Via, not Villa. Is it Via? Yeah. Pancha Via? You wouldn't know that, Connecticut. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> so, um, just kind of go, George just does so much stuff. I mean, it's really hard. Where do you start with, with, with you as far as that? I mean, I guess we could start going back in a little bit of history. When I met you at SHOT Show 3, it was actually through Mike Miller at the time. Yeah. I, I think you had only built like 80 rifles. It was you and Eric. Yep. And you had a tiny little, it was like the table we're sitting at right now. Weren't you just in a little like uh, 10 by 10 with a folding table? So it was behind a gun shop in Kansas City. Um, I actually started out just on my own and added Eric about a year later. But yeah, we were in the back of another shop. And Eric had a bench about, it was about 8 by 4. And then I had a bench that was a little bit longer. And we had one lathe. And we actually rented time on the mill from the other gunsmith at the <laughs> shop. So yeah, start out nowhere really. It was a, a way to make a little extra money. When my wife went to school, I was a full-time canine officer with the North Kansas City Police Department, and who would have thunk? <laughs> right. Yeah. Twenty some. But years you were later. you were Army Police before that, correct? Correct. I was yeah. an Army MP investigator yeah. before that. So yeah, yeah. You know, I was a high-power shooter in high school, and they actually let you shoot guns in high school, and uh, you know that's kind of where the roots sunk, and got back into shooting heavy after I left the military, and kind of wanted to build guns and you know Marty from Badger Ordnance has a lot to do with my success he moved to Kansas City and was an engineer at Dakota Arms and every time I got together with him I would just squeeze his brain for every bit of information I could get and we ended up doing a lot of stuff together you know if you remember like the whole AI magazine or detachable magazine in a bolt action rifle that was a GA precision Badger Ordnance the harbinger I, that was an idea and you Frank got the very first one ever made on his gun. So and, well, I remember because you and I walked up to Marty at Shot Show because Marty didn't want to release it. Right. And, you, and he said, "Listen, Frank will do. We're going to do a, another sniper's hide rifle because we did the headhunter. The first yep. rifle you did with us was the, that headhunter. The coffee auger. Yeah. Yep. And and um, it was McMillan did the first A5 stock through sniper's hide. Yep." And so the sniper side members designed the A5 stock and feedback and Kelly was feeding like prototype stocks to people. Yep. And when that was complete, George says, we have to build a rifle around that stock. And we did the, the, the coffee Jaeger, the headhunter. And that was the first one. It was really successful, even though it was small. Sure. And so after that, with, you know, George had known because with Marty, that there was bottom metal available, but it wasn't because Marty didn't want to do it. Didn't think it was viable really. And he said, hey, we'll do another rifle and we'll use the bottom metal around that as, as the highlight of it, a detachable magazine, bolt action, tactical rifle. And that was the Harbinger. Sure. We had the 22 inch barrel. It was the A5 stock and then the badger, badger bottom metal. Yep. 
And to go back a little bit further, you know, there was the Robar, I think it was called a QR2, and it had an M14 magazine that kind of half-ass worked. I remember that. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was that. dual column, and it was All made It was made for an M14, and, and exactly that. It didn't work well in a bolt gun. You had to modify the receiver big time, and it just didn't work. So when AI came out with the AICS for the Remington stock, they designed a magazine that uh, center-fed and would work in bolt guns. So that first bottom metal that used that magazine was on Frank's Frank's gun and then ended up being on that, that Sniper's Hot Harbinger gun. I remember so, those old roll bars, though. I, yeah. I saw I ran across those at Thunder Ranch years yep. and years and years ago. Yeah, I mean, then the rest was history, but we always did the uh, GA Precision, did the Sniper's Hide limited edition rifles, and then we started doing the, the, the matches because Jacob had come up to Connecticut to kind of recruit me to come down here for matches. And, you know, to get together and had said, hey, man, Sniper Side's getting popular. You got to have a competition. And so that's where we all got together and we, we all just started shooting this stuff. Oh, no. And it, it started off once a year and then it became twice a year. And then we started traveling around. We were really big. Like our favorite match at the time was like ASC because we all used to squat up and go to ASC and sure. shoot uh, Allegheny Sniper Challenge in West Virginia. Dude, you gotta back up on the rifle thing here for just a second. Okay, we'll I, 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 I gotta tell you a story. All right. So, I ended up with one of the SH guns, you know, mm-hmm. and you were here at the time. SH-50. SH-50. And um, that was the gun that when a student showed up, it like screwed up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like their gun screwed up because they came from the north and they were, didn't know how to reload or whatever. So we give them SH-50 in factory ammo and it always shot lights out. Right. And so that gun, I'm, I'm gonna, remember it, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> tell on George. <laughs> so. That gun got to where you'd run the bolt, you'd have to pick it up like five times to get it to cock. Yeah. But once you got it to shoot, it, it was, was shooting great. half minute. Yep. You know? So I finally said, man, I hate to let SH-50 go, but I got to send it back to George so that, you know, he can rework this thing, mm-hmm. you know? Fix it. Yep. So it comes back, goes up to George. I leave George alone because I know he's got his own stuff going on and everything else. And then he finally calls me back. He goes, um, I got SH-50 up and running again. Cool. He says, but I'm changing the barrel. I said, George, don't fucking change the barrel. Don't change the barrel. That barrel's a half inch barrel. He says, Jacob, I'm not leaving this gun out of my shop without a new barrel. I said, George, don't fucking change the barrel. I said, that barrel's a half minute barrel. Finally, George said, fuck you, Jacob, and he hung up on me. (laughs) (laughs) And so, come to find out, come to find out that uh, that barrel didn't have any rifling for like the first five inches of it. And so, like, we figured it out that that was a, a 308 with uh, a 308 with about 20,000 rounds through it. It would only we, 10 cleanings. We with only clean. 10 cleanings. We never cleaned that gun. But it worked like a... Uh, Rape date, man. Yeah, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. So, George, thanks for changing that barrel. Yeah, no problem. Well, the, the thing with with barrels that are got super straight chambers, they'll shoot, you know, super accurate groups for a long time with no rifling. But then they lose so much velocity. And yeah. You start chasing yourself all over the range, trying to keep up with the velocity. But yeah, it, it was a good old gun. It like, was. It's it's not quite as famous as Jacob's AI, but uh, <laughs> pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> pretty damn close. Yeah, it's SH50 had a bit of a reputation for a while there. Yeah. And and so that was good. I went through classes, competitions. Everybody under the sun from all different countries shot that gun. So, George, that you're. More recently, more well known for all the, like the bullet development stuff you've been doing with, with the six five psalm, which kind of turned into the uh, you know the four S and 
and then almost became right the PRC because originally there was a history you had reached out to me to go back on the hide because you had originally envisioned like the PRC right. but couldn't get the brass so tell some people about like you know what you sure. how your mindset goes in that so at the time it was kind of you know the the shooting sports started putting rules on stuff and 3200 was the feet per second that you had to stay under so the whole idea was let's find a cartridge that you could shoot the highest BC bullet as close to that 3,200 feet a second mark as we could get. So I wanted to use the 300 Ruger compact mag, which Hornady made, and they couldn't get brass. It was right after that Newtown shooting, and mm -hmm. brass and bullets, as you know, were very limited commodity then. So I told Neil I still wanted to revisit that, but I went to Remington. Remington had 80,000 pieces of 6.5 SOM brass, or 7 SOM brass on the shelf. Uh, we did all the necking down, Copper Creek, you know, sold ammo, we started building guns, the cartridge instantly was a success with the hunters, especially the sheep hunters, yep. super flat, you know, super killing machine, and then the longer range matches that shoot, you know, past a thousand, you know, heavily in the, in the match, like mm. out west match. Yep, you know, we're me, yeah. You know, great instance, the only sniper side cup I ever won was your match out in Wyoming, and it was a lot of long range, and that that's the cartridge I shot, so. Yep, there you go. Um, but oh, the Douglas match you won. Correct. Yep. So the so the PRC eventually, you know, Jason Hornady called me and said, Hey, you know, are you still interested in doing what you originally wanted to do or interested? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Do you think it's gonna cut into your six five SOM sales? I'm like, No, I'm like, there's no ammo for that. you you Hornady sells ammo. Yeah. I mean they they do sell components but their priority is ammo. So uh, we pulled the numbers out, I got with Joe Thielen and we made it to where it wouldn't fit in a 6.5 SOM gun because that would obviously be a problem. Two right. cartridges that I helped develop are going to get mixed up. So we made one won't fit in the other, so that's perfectly safe. And we hit the numbers we wanted to, and now the 6.5 PRC won cartridge of the year last year. And it's going to be their close to top-selling hunting ammunition, I'm sure, by the end of next year. And they're mm -hmm. super happy with it. Nice. And then in you, I mean, it's... You, you you make these rifles and, and you're, you're you're doing this stuff. And um, hang on, I can pause. It. So yeah, so you're you're we got everybody still out. It's it's after after match uh, festivities. Yeah, after so, match festivities. After match festivities over here at our rifles only. But so, I mean, because you have such a pulse on the industry, not only on the tactical side, even the hunting side, like you were just saying with the sheep hunters. You're a, you know big hunter yourself. Uh, go all over the place doing that of uh, fishermen uh, you were just for your birthday out fishing in the Gulf yeah, and then came up blessed. here to RO so uh, you know that kind of stuff it, it when you see all this stuff I mean what's the process to have the ability to go forward like you do and well, put these things into play is it more of the relationships and the trust people have in you over the years or do you think it's something else I think and I think that's part of it now I mean obviously at one point no one knew my ability to come up with a cartridge and have it be viable as you know the first time it was always just a gamble mm -hmm. you know six six millimeter creedmoor not that i designed anything there it's just a neck down six five but um i was the first one to purchase two hundred fifty thousand pieces of brass and start selling it because i thought it was a good cartridge and it needed to be out there um once that was hugely successful for hornady i think they put a little bit more trust in some you know if, if i told them an idea was good Jason trusted me with it, which, you know, 
that's big. Having, yeah, having trust. That's huge you. when you think about Hornaday, and you know the individuals sitting across from me. They they'll they'll go to him and say, "Hey, your idea is good with us." Right. I I mean I've had some ideas that I didn't even think in the end were were good ideas, and I don't know if you remember a cartridge I came out with called the six millimeter Crusader back in the day. It was yep. a super fast six mm -hmm. mil. It was like a monster barrel burner. Yeah, bar burned up barrels quick. It was super fast and super accurate, but at the end of the day, it didn't fit in magazines very well, uh, a medium length action was kind of needed and I kind of shelved it. it. It reared its head later, some guys started shooting these Swede Moors, and, yep. which was essentially the, the exact, yeah, essentially the exact same thing. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I chuckled, I actually called some of those guys and said, hey man, it's been done, it won't last, it's like, it's, it's not viable, just trust me, it's, it's, it's got some good, good things to it, but it's also got some real bad things to it. So. You know, not everything I can I thought of worked out good. Some of them actually didn't work out at all. Uh, but you know, my well, it's trial and error shit, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? What it just is. the way you go it goes through. Yeah, one of the one of the fun things that that I think uh, you know, going back with me and you in the day when we used to always go was naming the rifles and then doing the um the the, the graphic the graphics on it. Sure. With, with the, uh, the I never got the hospitalizer, man. Where did that name come from? Because I didn't do that one. We were with no. the Crusader. Hospitalier, right? Yeah. So, so Hospitalier is just two knights of of the Crusades. Mm -hmm. They were the Templars. Yep. And the Hospitalers. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So our first gun was the Crusader. Right. It kind of fit. You know, we went into the war on terror, and Islam was the enemy, and you know the Crusades. If you'd studied that, it was you know. Christianity versus Muslim, basically head to head. So, you know, the first gun we built was a Crusader. Still build that gun. Our action is called the Templar. <clears throat> Surgeon rifles had just came out. Mm -hmm. Hospitaler sounds like hospital. Oh, yes. Basically. Oh, you were messing with them. It was a play on words. Yes. But we actually used a surgeon action on that original gun. Okay. So the Hospitaler was a surgeon action called gotcha. Hospitaler. Yeah, I, ne I never put that together. I yeah. couldn't quite figure out. I mean, because dude, you're, you're slow on the uptake. I caught that right away. Did you? Well, I didn't yeah, know. I caught I it right know, away. I, I didn't know about that, and because we used to goof. The one that really set it off funny was when you built my werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and and by werewolf, it wasn't you know full moon fangs and werewolf. It was the SS Panzer Division when they were retreating from France into Germany they would drop off guys and call them werewolves and they would mainly snipe at people or blow bridges up and do different things. So I kind of framed it around the Nazi thing with going to Scout Sniper, the sure. SS's. And I, and I didn't use, I used their, their unit symbol, but it wasn't a swastika, but it was kind of really close. Right. And you were like, dude, I don't know if they're going to do this. And the lady actually asked you, <laughs> she goes, gee, this kind of looks German. <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked a little waffen Nazi-ish, but I'll tell you, I still think the funniest, or at least the funniest character, sure, and I still actually burn it in on stuff every once in a while, is the, the, voodoo. Was the voodoo. The voodoo. That was the, an AR. The little skeleton with the... The joint with the, the joint hat. and a drink, like a gin and juice or something. <laughs> yeah, I had a um, George put me together an AR, and I called it a voodoo, and I don't even know why, but I think I liked the graphic is what it was, and and so you know, that brought us around to kind of I guess the one that it is the, the most famous I, I guess in a way is the Gladius. Oh, it's definitely the most famous. Is it the, so oh, the Gladius? Without a doubt. So. How this worked, the, the Gladius, for those who don't know, is it's it's the short sword, but it's the one, if you see any picture of Chris Kyle with that multicam, that George built that. Okay, yeah. so that, that he made it more famous than me, Chris, well, Chris used it. 
well, Frank wanted to do, uh, like Frank really got into the short guns there for a while and the, the, val the validity of having a short rifle. And we built it on, that may have been the first Manor stock we used, wasn't mm -hmm. it, maybe? And, it, was uh, the, it, was a, it was the first gun we built on a Manor's, and then we, you had just gotten together, because you always had different barrel makers. You had right. Rock, you had yep. Broughton, yep. and then you went to Bartland when Tracy kind of came in. I mean, there was always a sprinkling of Kriegers and Obermeyers. Right. Yep. Remember, people used to cover the Obermeyers that you had. Right. It was mainly Obermeyers and Rocks, but then when I couldn't get enough of those as we grew, we, we put some put some Broughtons in there, and then uh, when Tim, like, was having problems or couldn't keep up, that's kind of when Bartline slid in, and I'd heard about these guys that all, you know, had their roots in Krieger and all decided they could do something different and better, and they invited me up there, and once I saw that operation, I was like, man, there's, I can't use anything else. Right. And those guys are set, that squared away. Of course, you've made a trip up there with me. You, mm -hmm. know how, you know how that place is and how special it is. So. I mean, Trace, it, 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 he's a rock star. He's yeah. like one of the greatest guys on the planet. The hospitality. We had such a blast in the bar playing that oh, nail yeah. game. And sure. It was funny. It's like when you, when you, how do you find Trace's house? Look for the burnouts. Yep, that's how you find it. Look <laughs> for the burnouts. And, and so the, the, the Gladius was around the tight bore Bartland barrel. Correct. And that was what gave us the velocity in a short rifle. Yep. And then, because it was a shorter rifle, I named it the Gladius, you know, coming from Italy and, and the whole thing. I said, you know, my Roman heritage. Sure. And and then, I, I, and you had told me this, and I don't quite remember, I guess, because Chris was around. I saw him at SHOT Show. And that's kind of how it happened, actually. He, he, was uh, it at SHOT Show? Yeah. Because so I, I remember being there, but I never was in the conversation too hard. So his, his business partner, Steve Young, you know, in Kraft International, which was their training company, they just wanted a gun that they would train yep. guys on, and then they wanted to offer them for sale in their pro shop. So Chris trained you with a rifle, in this case a 308 Gladius, and you left the place and you could purchase one. And so they bought you know, quite a few of them. They had them in stock there, and okay. guys would take training classes with Chris, and they would purchase a Gladius. But when, didn't they, weren't they specking it to you, and you were like, Dude, you want the Gladius. Then weren't they telling you that you wanted like they wanted a gun and you said, Well it's already built, it's this Correct. Gun. And but the gun was at the shot show and we had those like yes. being shown. So yes. it was I could lay one in his hands and say, This is the gun you want and he you know, fell in love with it. That was the gun he shot. So Yeah, yeah. And then after everything happened and when they did the movie, the the production company actually came to you to build one for Correct. the movie. But one step before that, when he wrote his book, he mentions the gun and me in the book, so people would read the book, call GA Precision, what gun does Chris Kyle shoot? Okay. And then the answer would be Gladius. So yep. um, the production company, when they did the story, wanted to put the Gladius in it in some way. And the way they did it was, you know, the, the hunting scene with his son, right? In well, the hunting scene with his son at the end, but then also when the, the psychiatrist tells him if he wants to help some soldiers, there's plenty to help, and he takes them to the range, right. the gun they're shooting at the range is a Gladius. Okay. And I actually have that gun. They it, sent it back to me. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, and then you went, and, and, and kind of a funny, could complete the story, is you went, because it was so popular, and trademarked it, and you called me up, and you're like, hey, Frank, is it all, you know, we're going to trademark it. Yeah, dude, it's yours. You do whatever you want. You know, I really just named it. Right. And, and you know, that kind of thing, and, and just said, I want a short gun that does this. Right. But, um... See so yeah, how we trademarked that and the uh, but then the the Victrix. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I think that finally got cleaned up this year. Yeah, well they got they, so going back to Italy and Victrix with Beretta. So Beretta picks up Victrix, 
and Victrix makes all these different rifles and they had a Gladius in Italy. And when they got picked up by Beretta, they're now going to bring them into the U.S. and they want these guns in the U.S. Well, then they turn around and they look it up that they can't bring it in because it's trademarked. Correct. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to do business with them over this because the Italians that knew me are like, hey, you got to go see Frank. And Frank will be the guy to launch the Vitrix brand in the U.S. with. And they got a little, kind of a little like, we can't do this because your name's on the patent or something. Like somehow mm. they, they knew I was associated to it. Right. And it might be mentioned in the, the big, I've never looked at the abstract. Right. So it might be mentioned in there, like the story behind it. Well, they finally agreed to change it to Gladio. Oh, okay. And so it, they did it two years later than they were supposed to. And that's for attorneys to work out. But at any rate... It's a Gladio now, so it's it's not an yeah, issue. Yeah, but it, it, that's kind of the history behind that Gladius. And, you know, so we'd go over and we did that, you know, the, the, the Coffeeager, the Headhunter. We had the Harbinger. We had the Valkyrie, uh, the Voodoo, the Werewolf, the Gladius. And then with your rifles, I, I think I did the, the sword for the um, the Crusader. I don't remember yeah, doing I did, I did call you to, to make that for me because you were always good at coming up with, like a logo that, that yeah. made sense on a rifle, or at least fit on a rifle. And I, I don't think I did, I didn't do the Hospitaller, and I didn't no. do um, anything after that. Uh, I think the Crusader was the last one I might have even, like, there was any conversation with. To be, to be honest, I don't think we actually have logos ever since then. Maybe we should, maybe we should do, do another logos one. logos again? Maybe we should do another one, just, <laughs> just for old times. Yeah, because I, I mean, I used to like that. I Like, what I used to do with mine is I get, the, like, some Krylon and fill in the logo so it stands out sure. and then clean it up around and i have that with the werewolf and some of the other ones but that was always pretty fun well as those guns come in for rebarrels they always want them remarked the exact same way so i nice. still have all that stuff nice. anyway that's that's a really in, cool in, way to in do. fact we went to a laser engraving now and so some guy sent one of his original coffee augers in and he's like i don't want that new fancy laser stuff i want that old you know Dug in the quote, quote shitty looking engraving <laughs> on there like the original one. <laughs> That's funny. No brakes, nope. all straight barrel nope. MTU tapers and nope. M24 contours and nope. you know they were 18 pound friggin' hammers. Oh, yeah, they were. I tell you what, there's not a rifle that you've touched that's not a hammer that I can think right. I mean, oh absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's it's just one of those kind of deals, but uh, yeah, I mean what what else? I mean, God, going back, what are some of the other kind of fun things that we were playing around with back then? Even down here, because a lot of it came from this, like sitting around yeah. like we are and down sure. here and after matches and just, the, you know, all the people would do, because we, we always camped out. Nobody ever clicked away. It, it just grew bigger and bigger and bigger with people. I think, I think you know, the the magazine that we touched on, that, yeah. you know, that had its roots in... You know, shooting these matches. I mean, back then it was all top loaders, man. I mean, there ain't a top loader at a match anymore. That's hit ancient history. Nope. Uh, extractors sucked. I mean, you know, M16 extractors were, were, you know, Marty made the first one, and then mm -hmm. I made a mini version of it. Now, hell, Surgeon, Curtis, you know, all our yep. guns, everyone uses that extractor design, and that was, you know, a design that, you know, was born and raised in this early form of shooting. You know. Yep. And then SHOT Show, I mean, that was the thing. It was like Marty's booth. It was a down this aisle of SHOT Show. You had Marty's booth. You had your booth, and which was part of Marty. 
Right. And then you had me and then Strider. We were always together with Dwayne from Strider and yep. all that. And then Jacob and Lisa and all, when you guys came in, because you actually have my booth now. That yeah. used to be mine. Yep. Right. And then I didn't need have any need for that. But we were always in a row for years yep. and years. Still still we're really close, though. Yeah, you're only an aisle apart. So give now or take. Badger's behind me. Manners is next to me and the Mac brothers who, who make the Tempest action for us. They're kind of catty corner yeah. and... They're and, uh, stealth. I like the Mac Brothers, man. Yeah. And what they do is really good stuff. They're suppressors, their actions, and all that yeah. stuff. But they're like the name you never heard of, but they're out there. You're just under the radar. Right. So their histories, you know, they were the engineer slash CNC Smiths for Dakota Arms for years. Okay. And, you know, Marty came from Dakota Arms and started Badger Ordnance. And when Badger Ordnance got big enough where Horizon Machine was busy making Badger parts, they left Dakota and took on yep. Horizon Machine full time. Uh, the Mac Brothers, as a name, is their suppressor company, but they also have a, a really good action company that makes that titanium action. Like I said, they make for us the Tempest action, and they're getting into other things now too. They make you know replacement bolts for Remingtons that are all one piece with a really good extraction system. Nice. It's actually almost an exact uh, clone of the AI extractor, but, okay. in, a, but in a Remington style bolt. So nice. And uh, that'll just go into any Remington? Yeah, the bolt goes into any Remington. And oh. you can't just throw it in your gun. Right, you got you to space you, it. You got to have a headspace to yep. everything. But yeah, it fits any Remington 700, you know, upgrades the extractor, that one piece of AI design. It has no spring, nothing to break or fail. It's pretty cool. Thing. I may have to go in that direction with some yeah. of these Remingtons, man, and upgrade, especially like with that APO gun, because that's just a factory Remington. Maybe yeah. that'd be a nice little upgrade for me. It would be. For mine. Yeah, that's mm. totally would be cool. I want George to build a belt fed. You want him to build a belt <laughs> You know what belt we still need to build? Gun. Remember we used to talk about all the time? I want a, I want a GA Precision SVD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, ready? you know, I, I mean, a lot of people know this, like, that really will follow the company, but I got my start in this building M14, so mm -hmm. like, the semi-auto was I had the thing, one back in the day and uh, shooting high power I always thought was a big bore guy and even when ARs got really popular I was always trying to make an M14 do what it couldn't do so I built those for a number of years it kind of got my head in the door and then again when I met Marty and started learning how to machine and barrel bolt actions kind of went in a different direction and I turned over all the M14 stuff to a guy named Jeff Korn I just got out of doing it completely yeah. I spun well, you did that. like the Jordan ones and yeah, all that oh, yeah. did yeah. them for other countries and Jordanian SF and Peru and yeah, it's piece of history. Don't do them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Don't I even mean, like to see them. <laughs> no. I, and, and you know, and, and just to kind of go back to old school and through, I, I kind of want to give a shout out because I don't think he gets enough credit as Marty. Yeah. Marty's done so much in this industry and has such a hand in things, and and you never really hear what he's done. I mean, he's a huge historian, right, with sure. his gun collection. Oh, yeah. He knows everything about Marine sniper rifles, sniper rifles for everything. He's got a monster um, collection as far as that stuff. If you need to know military history on these kind of guns, Marty's one of those guys yeah. you go to. He's probably got the largest sniper rifle collection of the world of anybody. It's it's massive and it's insane. You know, he's visited all kinds of different gun makers just to get pictures and photos of the early number one prototype stuff. He owns a lot of prototype guns. Uh, I couldn't even put a guess at how much money is invested in that collection, but his goal is to write a history of sniper rifles book before. Like you know, a Senich, like a Peter Senich kind much. of guy, yeah. But like he's spent lots of money in photography. It's going to be something epic when he finally does it. Nice. 
I, uh, I I'm a Marty fan. I don't say it enough, and I really should, and and I want to say it right now publicly. But I'm a Marty fan, and always have been. Yeah. And Marty's well, always if you're been not square. something's wrong with you. Oh, right, right. Marty fans, honestly, you know. right. If you're sure. not a Badger fan, you're wrong. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. one day he gets back into this type of shooting. He's uh, he's kind of just put his, you know, all into the military stuff. He's he's wanting to support the military units with anything gear they need, and that that's obviously where his heart and soul is right. it'd be nice if he got back into doing this kind of stuff um we've had small chats about it i've got a new gun range there in kansas city and get him been, out there and just he's get been him in, working he's been invited enough eventually he'll show up and maybe he'll get the bug again we'll see it's it's i tell you what it's, it's tough i mean coming off this competition and stuff this was it was like such a great kind of return i, I tanked this this was the worst match i ever shot and i'm not going to get too deep into it for this part and take away but it was still super fun and it just it kind of brought me back and goes into the roots i needed it on, on so many levels but i mean we've been through all these different changes you were part of the pr or still are I'm, and i don't mean it that way but you you're you were part of the prs you you got in it on the ground floor excuse me drinking and eating um, got in on the ground floor, and, and, and you would push that to the next level. But I, I you know, w I think about what we've seen in changes. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm calling it generations. Like when you and I mm -hmm. talked about sure. it with Jacob, uh, it's generational changes. Sure. And we're seeing these little generational changes that are happening. Uh, do you, you know, from where? Every year it's slightly different. Right. But uh, I mean, where do you see like precision rifle competition going moving forward? Do you see it becoming more of a split, like the field stuff mixed in a little bit, or do you see it more working better for square range type people with facilities like Jacob or Shannon right. or Altis or one of those places? What? Where's your head at with competition without the politics? Let's right. talk about I this. Don't, I don't even care about talking about the politics because yeah. like for me, my involvement as an owner of the PRS was literally to try to save it from extinction. That was the, the goal of the ownership group that I was involved in. You know, Rich started it. Rich you know, couldn't keep up with it. And instead of it going to Three Gun Nation, which is kind of where it was headed, uh, some of us got together and made Rich a, an offer he accepted. It was small, it wasn't any right. big money or anything. And the idea was it was all old school guys for the most part. It was mm -hmm. me, Wade Studeville, you know, Jonathan Barry. It was, you know, it was guys everyone knew. Yeah, it was the, the streeter. The, the something. problem is what you, what you realize is, is the matches are still the match directors at mm -hmm. the end of the day. And whenever you start trying to make rules or the match directors have to accept them, you, you brush people the wrong way. Right. And getting, getting a set of rules that everyone can agree on was hard. Getting, you know, those everyone hated the skill stages. I don't think Jacob was a big fan of them. At, no, at I didn't like them. I thought yeah. they were a bit. But like in the end. I the skill stages. I still have them set up. No, no, I can say it. If yeah. I remember right, you weren't a huge fan of them at first, but the, what our thinking was, you know, we've got to have a tiebreaker that's fair. Sure. You know, we can't let a match director at the end of the day come up with something, you know. Right, right that At the point. end, like, you don't know. I mean, every match director was doing something different. It wasn't. So that was the whole idea with those skill stages. And now it's probably the most practiced stage. Hell, there's a special equipment that people have designed specifically for those. And whether you like it or hate it, it's, you know, it's drove a lot of industry. Yes, like yeah, it's innovation, it, it's yeah. made with products, people are making money off of and, it. And we all laugh, you know, when you saw everyone carrying around six or seven bags, but now you got like top tier units buying those bags. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, whether it helps them or not, 
probably could I think be I think but... eight, you know, what turned me off was the number of bags initially, but then there's I definitely see the value like the game changer right. is definitely one and and there's a value there. It just becomes a how much is too much? Where's the weight limit? Where but the puff pillows? Sure. Like a puff pillow is a great idea. But it was just Seven puff Yeah, pillows. that was the problem. Sure. And that's where you start to look at it. From my point of view, it was more of a what is where is your separation between innovation and gaming? Right. Yeah. You know. And I'll, I'll back you up and a little bit there. Whenever whenever Sean wanted to do the, the skill stages, I mean that's all about it. They're still set up. I got Alpha Bravo Charlie to where you mm -hmm. have those ones. I still have the the skill stage barricade out there and I train it. You know, I train those in my classes because I thought they were they were pretty good. I know a lot of people you you're probably getting that from a lot of people who didn't want to do it. I was I wouldn't really Well my only bitch was I, I didn't like the the barricade because, well, because and that because it didn't it was too tall, but I thought it had sure. to be two sided. Yeah. Well the the barricade in specifics, like a lot of people weren't reading into them enough. Like they were supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. the options for people that were shorter to put behind them. Right, they and they never there, did. And a lot of people didn't build those. Never. But it was in the rules that you could do that. It's just no mm -hmm. one did it. And and let me go back to what I was saying. Jacob wasn't against the skill stages, but at the time he had a higher safety level than we did. And so the rule would say yeah, you could start with your maggot, and Jake was like, yep. no, you're not doing that. <laughs> you're going to pull your mag out between transitions. That's true. You and, that, and that is what I was trying to I got, yeah. I got one bitch on the match, man. We'll I'm going to do it in public. One do bitch. It. Kick, kick me. Okay. So on the Connex, mm -hmm. uh, on the container one, mm -hmm. in the little window, mm -hmm. and you did, the, you, you did left side, mm -hmm. and then you did right side. Mm -hmm. I had to take my mag out sliding six inches across the friggin' uh -huh. hole. Yeah. Absolutely. No, come on. Absolutely, dude. you did. Absolutely, you did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Frank, I've been uh, I've been training and I know been in this I get you close to twenty five years. I don't got any extra holes. I ain't changing shit. No, I'm with it. <laughs> and, and it's your match, your thing, your rule. But I was just like, I was like, really? I got to slide six inches and take my mag out? Okay, I, I got. Well, you know, okay, okay. I got seven hits all right, out hey, of eight. Let's 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 back up here. Okay, okay, okay leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, because here's where it came from. You and I talked about it yeah. at first. You know, this is like a, a safety issue. Yeah. And then whenever we were making them people doing it, they never could get their magazine. Right. In. It was a training thing. And right. so you, you go over and you get, okay, we're out with our handguns. Yeah, we'll hit that magazine well every time. We're with our carbines. We hit that magazine well every time. Mm -hmm. But we just don't practice it with our bolt guns. Because right. what we do is we go over and we spend a metric six on the cash with George. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So George sends us a gun whenever it's ready. And then I'm gonna baby this gun. I'm gonna take care of it, and I'm gonna put it in the in, in the suburban, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna shoot groups because in my mind I'm trying to justify all this money that I spent right, with George. Right. You know what I mean? And then I'm gonna finish it, and then I'm gonna clean the hell out of it, and I'm gonna put it back in the suburban, and I'm gonna baby it and put it in the case. We're not practicing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We scratch the hell no, out of it. No, I'm just pistols. I'm being yeah. I'm being a wise ass. No, I got you. I got you. To talk about spending the money with George, I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. With all my GA precision Money rifles. Money well spent. Yes, well, but you got chassis come all the time. Like I've got three, four chassis that show up and sitting right now in the office, I have two brand new AI chassis there. I have the MDT ACC, this JP that came in. Uh, I have an Oryx, I have a KRG, all that people are sending me to do stuff. Sure. I refuse to take apart one of my GA guns oh, to no way. chassis. Right. No way. I will rather order a new barreled action than take apart any of those original GA guns to throw them in a chassis. There's only one gun that's out of the stock, and that was the Harbinger because I shot it a lot. And so it was kind of on the edge of where I can probably put a new barrel yeah. on it, but that was the only gun that's ever been taken apart 
Oh, my my old GA guns. I mean, we've we've had several um, photographers here you know, mm -hmm. this weekend. Oh, Jacob, we wanna we wanna really get in your vault, you know, and everything else. I'll let them in my vault because I don't want them touching my my GA guns. Right. <laughs> you know right. What I mean? It's like uh, no, those are mine. I mean, right. I, I I honestly I don't talk about them anymore. George don't need me. You know what I mean? As far as to, to, or, to or me either. Yeah, he's, to, he's to talk about that kind of stuff. A, I don't a, need to. I don't need to say. Giant. I don't need to say my gap rifle, my gap rifle, my gap mm -hmm. rifle. I don't need to do that. And and but the the funny thing is, I still. Like I have a, a kind of like a box with so with <laughs> rifles that you don't touch. Right. But there's a GA safe with yeah. stuff in it that I don't touch. Yeah. And and it's it's one of those deals that to me the, the history knowing what's going on and just because it's a George gun. I mean, you used to send me pictures when you did. You, you'd send me like your run out. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. You, you'd send a video. And he's like, I'm building. It was to be a Sunday afternoon. Well, it was kind of when you started be able to to stream video on your side. I would send you like when i built your gun mm -hmm. like videos of yeah of, like now you look at how many people do that i mean there's probably six million videos of people putting dial indicators on barrels i mean hell how many times do you have to see that yeah but uh no i mean you would be because you would do sunday because you would kind of build my guns for me on the side right. you know but it, it, it'd be like sunday afternoon and i get a video hey i'm at the shop i'm doing your rifle up here's the indicator you know right but I mean, they all just shoot lights out. They're just. I think there's more to it than what George has done, though. I mean, obviously, uh, a genius in standing in front of a lathe and building guns and everything else. But whenever he built the the GA team, kind of gets a little. I never saw it, you know, because the thing about it is, if I had a problem or I'd seen I'd seen the GA team here and someone else had a problem, I saw those guys fall all over themselves to try to help out, you know, people yeah. that were doing it, you know, just right. parts, gear, whatever. You know, I, I know that throughout the years, you know, George coming down here, being a gunsmith. You know, he's grabbed up my tools and fixed plenty mm -hmm. of people's guns. You know what I mean? Whether it was something stupid like changing an extractor or a bolt stop or something like that, and it's just it's it's not that it's not that he went over and obviously he did. He's a, a giant in the gun building industry, but he's done more than that. You know yeah. what I mean? He's done oh, more yeah. than that. He's I done mean, more you look at that. the the relationships that you have and what you created. You, you are one of the true. You know, it, 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 on a, I guess a networking, but beyond that, friendship side of people, how you work with so many different parts of this industry right. and, and yet have that same stellar relationship, that's, that's rare to be on the hunting side and be known for building your hunting rifles, on the tactical side, on the F-class precision side, you know, bench rest type of stuff. And you can, you can go into any of those parts of shooting and they know you. I'm, oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know about the bench rest. Yeah, I'd, not so much bench rest. But F class, I competed with heavily for a while, and so I'd done quite a few of those guns. And so your guys, last gun was a game twist at the time too, wasn't correct. it? Correct. I actually still have two national records, believe it or not. I haven't shot F class in years, but uh, built a lot of F class guns for guys. Lots of records were set with them, so we had, you know, we did do quite a bit of that. The, the bench rest thing, man, I've never been into that. Um, it's like watching it, the grass grow. Yeah, but it might change. You know, it's also a sport that, you know, guys get into when they're older and don't mm -hmm. want to run around. I'm thinking the three of us are all going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of my really good friends, and this will spin into a totally another conversation we wanted to get into, but uh, Tom Jacobs, he's, you know, bench rest shooter of the year in the 600,000-yard game, and he's a good friend of mine now. He's got a, you know, really nice bench rest range right. north of me an hour and a half. and. We hang out a lot and help each other out at matches, and he's huge into the bench rest thing, getting into PRS, and I'm, 
you know, been around the PRS stuff for a long time, and he's trying to get me into bench press. So I promised him I'd shoot some of those matches and, and, this year. And that brings us into your gay tiger, right? Yeah, exactly, so. the gay tiger. <laughs> so it's not the, the gay tiger, even though Kevin Ditto wants everyone to believe that. It's uh, It stands for George and Tom. And it originally was actually the GS, because we wanted to give it a car name. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know that Buick made a muscle car. GS, yep. And My dad had him at the shop working on it. Correct. And so the GT, even though I'm not a Ford, you know, everyone knows I got a lot of cars and I don't have many Fords. You're a you GTO guy, man. You, yep. and Mar- or you and Tracy, GTO yep. guys. Yep. I'm a Chevelle guy and Tracy's a GTO guy, but we both have Chevelles and we both have GTOs. But at any rate, um, we came together to kind of create a cartridge that solves a few issues I have with the Dasher and BR cases. I've been pretty critical of them. I've never said that they weren't accurate. I've never said that they have no place in this, but they do cause malfunctions, and anyone who says they don't is a liar because I, I watched I watched malfunctions all weekend <laughs> we with all those do. cartridge. Right. And uh, it's just too short. There's not a magazine made for it. Um, it costs a lot of money to make magazines. Uh, there is... You know, Model 7, you could make a small magazine for it. I think they said Borden made a short action that's using a blocked-up magazine. But at the end of the day, it needs a magazine. Well, we already have all these great magazines. Let's make a cartridge that fits the magazine that does everything, not the, a dash, magazine, that right. does everything the Dasher does. So it's 100,000 longer than a Dasher. It's got a 50,000 longer neck. It's got a BR-type neck. It still uses Fargate as a powder base. It uses 34.5 grains to get... 3,050 feet a second, which is kind of what everyone wants to keep up with the Creedmoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alpha's going to make the brass, and everyone knows that they make Lapua quality brass. So, like, from all stances, it's going to be a home run. And the testing was done by Tom Jacobs on his bench rest range and me on my range and a few other shooters that I trust to have run it for an entire year to make sure there was no hiccups. And the GT, the George Tom, not the Green Tiger... <laughs> We'll be out sometime in May and June, uh, and then like probably really out in the fall, like with lots of brass for everyone. Reamers are on order. Forty of them will be in my shop here shortly. Um, you now, will a big manufacturer pick it up? Don't know. You do what's well, George Gardner? Of course they are. Well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, for now it's Alpha. Um, you know, there's so many brass companies now. I can see everyone jumping on it. It's not something mm-hmm. I'm going to patent or try to copyright. And, it, you know, I hope everyone makes it. Yep. You know, and yeah, you want it widespread because yeah. you solve the problem. Yeah. So let's make it widespread. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the anomaly too because he's he's developing these cartridges, and what what people don't understand is that for years and years and years, the bench resters that was the R and D. You know what right. I mean? Right. That they were the R and D. Every cartridge that we've ever shot, with the exception of three eight Lapua, started in some bench resters garage. You know, right. and then you get a gun builder, you know, who comes along innovative thinking outside the box building these new cartridges and this new one that you have the gay tiger the gay it ain't tiger. your it ain't <laughs> your first rodeo you know what i mean it's not your first rodeo it'll you, breaks my ball screw yeah. that guy one one more question though what's okay a, what's a dasher yeah what is a dasher so <laughs> now we know i can tell you like a lot of people that shoot it probably don't know this and maybe this would be good information for them it's originally well, des- originally designed as a prairie dog cartridge um it was actually originally a 22 dasher the name came from uh the the guy who wanted it his name was al ashton mm-hmm. and the gunsmith's name was dan dowling and dan, dan and, and ash became <laughs> dasher and that's where the name came from um it wasn't i don't know how many years later but a couple of years later a guy named richard schatz 
who was a huge bench rest guy, mm -hmm. thought that it would be a hell of a cartridge in bench rest, but he wanted it to be a six mil. Okay. So Richard Schatz is known as the king of the dasher because he made it famous. All right. He started winning thousand yard and six yard and hundred yard matches. And the rest is history. It became a huge cartridge. Literally, it came out at 97 as a 22, probably 99 as a, as a six dasher. And the PRS kind of started shooting it, what, two, three years ago. Um, the, the funny thing would be, and this is only me speculating, but Richard Schatz knows about the GT and nice. he's super interested in it. In fact, I already know there's a reamer heading his way and I already know there's brass going to him. So. It'd be kind of funny if the king of the Datcher switched to the GT. Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, the gay tiger doesn't really sound as bad as Dasher. Yeah. <laughs> I start thinking about Christmas carols. Well, if you notice like that, that even though it was, people were trying to be funny with the gay tiger, the gay tiger was eating some deer named Dasher. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. There's and, always and, a connection. And, and you know, it's it, it, that's kind of the thing why why I needle and push because the cognitive dif dissidence with some of these guys, like with the Dasher, you know, that they're unwilling to admit it doesn't work in our rifles the way we shoot, but it does do well downrange. Yeah, great blue. Hyper, hyper accurate. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because it's a short little charge of Argon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you look, there's a BRDX, BRD, mm -hmm. the BRA, the Dasher, and the BRX, BR. right? And all of those do the same thing. They all shoot really small groups with a small charge of bar bargain. What they all also do is cause malfunction, especially on the first round. <laughs> like you guys were the first company I knew that trained people on press checking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you. Every dasher shooter press checks the fuck out of their gun all day. Because it don't work otherwise. <laughs> well, and, so I have a question for you, George. It's, it's the same thing as like the rifles only started out as like a, like we, me and Frank talked about in the last one, is a load development company. And so my question to you is, is what I'm seeing anecdotally over the last 25 years, if there's any relevant relevance to it. Do you feel like that whenever we go into smaller diameters, our potential accuracy increases? And then whenever we go to larger diameters, our potential, our potential accuracy decreases. Well, yeah, it just kind of seems like it, it, the smaller I go, the smaller I go, the more accurate I can get. But then, you know, if I go up, because I used to do like the 340 Weatherby, the 416 Weatherby, you know, reloading for all these things. And I get them down to where they'd shoot, you know, half, you know, half five eights and stuff like that. But it seemed like it was so much easier to do it with, you know, the 243s, the 260s, right. things right. like that. What's your, what's your opinion? So uh, twofold. One of it's the, just the simple fact that recoil screws with your brain in ways that you don't really control. Exactly, sure. I was going to say and recoil And so, yeah. like, 223 was never designed to be some super massively accurate cartridge, but... It is. Every, it is. It is. But it is because it's got zero recoil, and, right. like, your, your tendency to flinch or do something dumb goes way down. Sure. So, on one part, and this is only one side of it, is that the lack of recoil makes you a better shooter because your brain's not being screwed with sure. in ways it can't control. And then two, um, the small cartridges and the low volume of faster burning powders will always be more accurate. Mm -hmm. So like the 30 cal bench rest guys are using shortened mm -hmm. cases and shooting 30 cal bullets with a small charge of faster burning powder like 4895. Okay. You know, the, the larger and more powder you put behind it, 
the more chance for stuff to more, go wrong. More chance for stuff to go wrong. You yeah. got powder kernels burning around the bowl yeah. as it exits, all kinds of stuff. Well, I, I'd seen it anecdotally, it's but fun. it's good to hear that on like the reason why you know you'd get that. Yeah. And, and that, and makes, those are, that makes total sense. And those are purely George Gardner opinions, not like well, but all well, opinions. Yeah, but they, they make our sense. Opinion, so really. it makes sense. I mean, none of us are throwing like mega facts other than history lessons. But and real quick though, because we're, we're sitting here, I'm, I'm waiting to be loud. Regina sat down. Say hi, Regina. Just say hi loud. Hi. And Lisa's here. Say hi, Lisa. Lisa is everything. Lisa is the engine. Matter of fact, Josh Ruby. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Josh Ruby stole the point from me, and I said, "Dude, I'm gonna get my point back." And he goes, "Jacob ain't giving you your fucking point back, dude. You're toast." I said, "I ain't going to Jacob. I'm going to Lisa." Hey, what did I say at the safety brief? Who runs the place? What am I? Yeah, I'm a figurehead. That's it. And then hiding behind us is Ryan Hay from Magneto Speed over here. Hey. Ryan, you had a great match, man. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he shot with one lung this morning because I saw him barf one of them up this morning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> brutal this morning. Nice. He, he, he rock started it, man. It was fun. But no, we're all here. Like I said, it's after action. It's a great time. We're, we're sitting down. You guys are getting a monster history lesson. I mean, listen to this one more than once. It's just, it's that important to what you're hearing. Because you, this is the this is the core of the last what would you guys say the last 19 years of precision rifle is sitting at this table, in in, in a yeah, lot of ways. A more I mean, than even that. moving forward, you got Regina here is the moving into the next level, bringing in all the women that she's doing, yep. and and looking out for. I mean, honestly, home run with the A10 stock with McMillan. I mean, that's that comes in what she's doing, and it's it's just uh you know. There's, there's a lot going on, and if you want to get close to that, you come to these matches, you come to the training places, and, and you get involved in what these guys are doing, and you get to rub elbows. I mean, you probably met, how many, Regina, how many new people did you meet this weekend? There was a lot here. There's a ton. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I jump, I, like, there's no squads at, at Rifles Only. You basically go where you want, I and mean, some people will pal up, but I mean, it's fantastic because I've met people no clue never you know never saw before oh there's the old type people but at the same time you're meeting all these new people that have heard either the website the podcast or something and it's like hey you hear him how many times do you hear him like you walk past somebody and they go that's regina Mostly I heard, ooh, that's Philip Vallejo. Can I get a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> the, this king of the selfies, Philip. <laughs> but you do hear people, because your ears, we got powered ears on, and you'll walk past somebody and they'll be like, that's Regina over there. You know, but they're afraid to come up maybe or something. But you do, you're approachable. Everybody is here. Yeah. I mean, it's really super easy when you're in this atmosphere to talk to somebody, to kind of rub elbows and, and to pick their brain. And, and that's the important part. That's how this all started. It just turned into one big good time, which turned into extended family, which turned into, you know, more and more and more. And, and it just comes out of the, the, the love prefer, or prefer precision rifle, the competition, which brings out, you know, the best and worst in some of us. Mm -hmm. But at the same, you know, it's all good. And it's funny, man. It's just, it's, uh, what can you do? It, it just have a good time, have some drinks. This stuff's strong. I don't know what I'm drinking. Have divorces. Have divorces. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You know, and I, I, I laugh about it, man. It is what it is. Some people were, like, a lot of comments were made when I had the cup here last year with you guys. Mm -hmm. 
Like, what the hell? You guys hate each other. We heard it too. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's like, no, we don't. We're here. We're doing our thing. And, and we're all, you know. That's a secret, Frank. Nobody, nobody secret. can know that nobody you and I like each, that we like each other. <laughs> no, it's no one secret. can know that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, 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 we're not. Well, I think it was about just, you know, being professional and stuff like that. You worked here for a while. It was great. Everything else. Well, but. Never really stopped communicating at no, all. It's just, I don't think we did. No. Nah, but it was uh, just, and, and, uh, and the same thing with George. I'm mouthy about PRS. You were the owner and we're friends. But I, I you know. I never took any of that stuff personal. It's like. It, well, that's it. The, re the real thing with. A lot of this is, you know, we all get together and get along great. But for some reason, the advent of the internet and Facebook and all this stuff, like you don't feel context. You don't know yeah. context when you're reading stuff. And most of this stuff that's come up, you know, PRS versus NRL versus this versus that, it's all out of context. It's, it's, it's people causing that. I mean, you know, back in the high days, and I've said this a couple times, you know, I come from Bridgeport, where P.T. Barnum, after everything burned down in New York, he came into Connecticut. Okay, nothing draws a crowd like a crowd. Right. Nothing draws a bigger crowd like a fight. Right. So people like to have that battle, that bickering. And then if they don't see it and they want it, then they kind of go and play see, each the, other. Here's the, the thing, you know, the, the three of us were in this before the Internet. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's like, it. It's phone calls. You know yeah. what I mean? It's phone calls. And then what we do, we get together, you know, two... Yeah, before cell phones, before any of that, it's phone calls, we're talking, we get together two to three times a year, you know, we, and we developed those solid foundations back then. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you and you and I have had knockdown drag outs. Yeah. Me and George. We have differences of opinion. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we're two George alpha guys, yeah. we've got two ideas. Yeah, we got, me and, and George have had knockdown drag outs. Right. But it's never freaking personal. No. You know what I mean? It's not personal. We know at the end of the day, I'll still step in, in front of a bullet for both of you guys. Right. You know what I mean? And y'all will do the same. Hey, it, we're, we're on the top. Hey, let's do this. No, we ain't doing that. Fuck it, I want to do it. No, you ain't doing it. Shut the fuck up. It's my place. We're doing it this way. What the hell? Oh, okay, dude, that's cool. The next morning, get up and go to work. Yeah. Nobody cares. We're going to go out to the, at lunch. We're going to go have dinner. Sure. It's not personal, like you said. It never has. But, and I think that's a problem with the advent, like what George was saying, you know, the, you, you know, the social media and stuff like that. You know, people get freaking butthurt. Right. You know what I mean? Because somebody says something that gets, like, slightly taken out of context, and it's not their fault because it's based off of how they grew up, what their culture was, things like that. You, uh, being a short Italian, very different from me, being a tall yeah. South Texan. But the thing about it is, is we never let the context shit get in the way. No. But sometimes behind a keyboard, it does. Yeah. You know, and, and people don't do it. I mean, there's been plenty of times where George and I are texting, and he says, let's take this to a phone call. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? One, because one, we can't see our phones anymore. <laughs> there's a lot of that. <laughs> but the second thing is it just makes it quicker and everything but else. Even, and George is exactly right on that. Things get taken a, out of context. Even a voice reflection on the phone, you can understand where a person's coming from. Sure. Mm -hmm. keyboard, it has no tone at all. Yeah. Right. Zero. Yeah. So, yeah, it goes south real fast. It, it, it and I does. think a lot of the, the crap that goes on in the shooting sports, like it's a lot of computer related, to be honest, because the same guys. Well, let's make no mistake. There are a bunch of fuckheads. Out oh, there. yeah. There's, <laughs> well, fuck, no doubt. I mean, but we were someone actually was talking about that earlier. And then I always hear this like, well, it used to be cooler. Well, yeah, it was 30, 40 dudes that all knew each other and they were all yeah. friends. A big match with well, 72 got, people. Now you got 10,000 people and there's a bunch of assholes in 10,000 people. And like, there's always going to be 10%. Yeah. And hey, maybe I'm 10% that week. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Probably that hour. 10% good now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think, no, that, there's, I think there's a lot of good. Yeah. Joking. Yeah, there is. Yeah, but yeah. George hit the nail on the head. You know, we, we, we lose context like that, whereas before, or we would have our arguments face to face or on the phone and you could tell like George is saying the tone the inflection there's none of that there and then you get you know somebody who says something and again like I say some people are just trying to troll or be an asshole and and that's fine it's America you know what I mean a lot of people died so they could go be an asshole yep. but 
you know, I don't have to put up with it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. I don't know. All right, so we're getting done. The hour's coming up. I got one more story from SHOT Show, and, and it's not. It's a George story, but it's not really a George story. It's, it, it goes, because oh, it, it actually goes at the Lisa, too. Um, it's a good Lisa. Yeah, wait, it's a SHOT Show. So remember when you built the gun for Ted Nugent? And he was coming to shot show to what is one of them. I know you did more than one, but it, it was the it was I think it was the first one, and he was coming to the booth to pick it up. Oh, it was uh, uh, the zebra one. The, well, it was a, yeah, it was a two seventy. It was like he that was his caliber. Okay. He still calls it his two seventy sniper rifle, and I laugh because I don't think I've ever built a sniper rifle in two seventy. But yeah, uh, it's his favorite gun. It's the one you see on TV that he shoots all the time. But at any rate, he was coming <coughs> to the booth to pick it up at the shot show and. So Kinda. go back to what I was saying when it was Badger GA, Sniper's Hide, Strider. Right. Okay, Strider used to always bring in Dick Marcinko. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> Lisa already knows where I'm going. Lisa already knows. So, so we're, we're, there's a huge entourage comes to the booth, so we all kind of back off and we're off to the side. So this entourage shows up to pick up the rifle and, and, and you know, they got crowd control, they got the whole thing happening and George is, is doing the handover. <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> she's grossed out already, but it makes me laugh. She just left to take a shower. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so first off, as we see this big crowd and, and I'm standing there with, with Dick and some of his guys, when I was in the, in the Marine Corps, his guys were a part with my unit. They were on the mobile sea basis. So I, I stroke up conversations with them saying, yeah, your guy here was on this mobile sea base, I was on this boat, we tendered, you know, we tendered your guys and we were all together. So he was cool with me. And before we go any further, because most people probably don't know who Dix Marcinko is at this point, he was the commander of SEAL Team 6 at the time. Yeah, he invented, it, or yeah. design, you know, he created SEAL Plank Team owner. 6. Yeah. Plank owner, right. So I'm standing there and I'm watching all this stuff go down with George and Ted Nugent and the, the, the entourage, the crowds, the whole thing. All of a sudden I get this monster elbow in my side and it's dick hitting me. And I look over to say, what the heck? And he goes, hit by a dick. yeah, yeah, hit by a dick. Yeah. I got dick slapped. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, I look over and I'm like, what's up, dude? And he goes, I should have learned to play the fucking guitar. <laughs> so then Lisa's over and Lisa wants to get a picture with him. I didn't want a picture with him. I didn't even know who he was. Well, but why did he lick your face? Because he licked my face. He wanted to lick my face. I don't know. I didn't even know who he was. Because he's Dick Marcinko. He's Dick Marcinko. And that's what freaked me out. It's like, this dude's licking my face. I don't even know who he is. So she was bad. It was, it was well before all the, you know, all the security. And she you guys was, are germaphobes, just yeah, so people know. Yeah, that's like she was reaching for her pistol. Lisa, not so much. But no, Jacob. No, she was reaching for her pistol, and I stopped her. I said, don't shoot this guy. It's like, some dude just licked my face. Yeah, she didn't so that's my, that's, my, uh, that's my, my, my funny story from all this and to wrap it up. But, hey, thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper. Make sure you comment in the thing. Thanks for all of it. George, Jacob, Lisa, Regina. We got Carl. Hey, Carl. Hey, hey Carl. Man. What about that uh, 458 uh, Dasher? I'm working on it, man. Carl, <laughs> if, you, if you ever see a Spin D video, hey, I, I don't know. It just rolls off my tongue. Hey, Carl. Hey, <laughs> and Ryan off into the side. Oh. Magneto Speed. God, we love Magneto Speeds, dude. It's, it's the Magneto. The, just the whole thing you guys do has just been better and better and better. So we're not stopping anytime soon. I know you're not, man. And, and, and you know what you do, it, Ivan, Ryan does you proud, man. I'm just going to say that. I don't owe you nothing, but I'm telling Thank you, you anyway. So 
there you go, man. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Sniper. Thank you for being part of that. Thanks for the match, the brawl. Thanks for George R. Owen and, and sitting down with us and talking about all this stuff. We'll have to do it again because we have so much more to go on. You'll we'll have to come up to the shop again sometime. Yeah, we'll come to the shop. I want to come out. I need a grinder from Grinders. Perfect. Uh, and so go to Kansas City there. But that's it. We're out. <laughs>